Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, an LA homicide detective who just celebrated his 50th birthday and now has to break in a new partner. With me today is that, is that partner, a fellow detective who may be on the ragged edge. He's the founder of Vanguard Tactics and my good friend. He's the Martin Riggs to my Roger Murtaugh, Mr. Stephen Box. Steve, how's it going? Dave, was that quote from the other guys? No. Oh. No. no. Doing a- you're, 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 in, you're sort of in there, though. You were close. Anyway, um, Dave, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I am okay. I am okay. We're uh, we're trying something new now. We're we're gonna try to to record weekly on Mondays. So hopefully this this works out for our schedules, and we can start putting out some some content more consistently here for everybody. But uh, yeah, no, overall I'm good. You? Yeah, I'm doing good. I can't wait to dive in today's topic, which is Dave. Uh, the topic is how to be a great opponent, not just a good opponent. We want to be a great opponent for everybody we play. Um, so that is what we're going to talk about. Um, but before that, um, we have a listener review. You want to read that out for everybody? Yeah, no, we really appreciate it every time you guys leave us a review. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, just your reviews mean a lot to us. They really, really do, whether it's a five star or one star or anything in between. Um, we've got a review here. It says, uh, this is from Fergie73. So thank you so much. You've per- learned so much. I really enjoy the podcast that they produce as a new 40K player. I've learned so much about the game and my army, uh, be GG or even playing at my local shop. I feel more prepared to start playing at my local shop. Keep uh, up the me- amazing work. So thank you very much, Fergie. Appreciate that. And obviously, if you want to get your reviews in, we'd love to read them out. We do like little jokes. So uh, yeah, we do find your reviews quite funny, everybody. So please get them in and we'll read them out. Yeah, leave us a like, leave us a share, leave us a subscribe and absolutely leave us those reviews. One star, five star, whatever. We were going to try to get around to getting at least one or two of those uh, per episode in. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Uh, Steve's on there at, at the Vanguard Tactics. I'm on there at, at Infantry Lawyer 40K. Uh, and uh, you have any events coming up? I know you you just went like four or five events like every weekend in a row, it seems like. Yeah, I had LVO, came back, international team tournament, came back, and then had Beachhead. So yeah, I've had quite a lot of uh, tournaments recently. And we will be interviewing Matt Laura soon, uh, who won the LVO, who is part of our team. So uh, congratulations, Matt. Uh, we've been trying to just align schedules. So I think, Dave, I'm going to have to leave that one for you and Matt to do because I am off to Vancouver next week uh, to see Play on Tabletop. So uh, we're going to be, oh, awesome. gonna be spending the week the, with them and can't wait to make more epic games. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, we were trying to, because Matt also works nights so uh, normally, so we were all trying to get our schedules lined up and it has not been working. So, But since you're going to go to Vancouver, I'll just do it myself. Mm. So, Because everybody needs to hear about the the monolith landing that heard around the world, which everybody sort of heard the story, but now you get to hear about it from the man who did it. So um, yeah, so that's going to be that. Yeah. All right. Um, don't forget to get everybody go online to, the, uh, to Facebook and join the competitive Warhammer 40K community Facebook page. Uh, we need to change the password. Steve, what is, what is it going to be? Oh, we're going to call it Junith. Junith. All right. Wow, you got sisters Junith. on the mind. Mm, Junith. Yes, I do. Yep. All right. Junith. Sounds good. That's what we're going with. All right. That's what we're this was going to be. So, Junith, as in uh, the, the lady on the big floating um, fiery pedestal of death from the sisters. Uh, guys, as always, uh, just get close to your spelling and we'll call it good. And that'll be that. Sounds good. The Competitive 40K podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting the Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, the Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in store. Uh, All right, so on to our main topic, um, being a great opponent. So, Steve, just to, to as an overview to start, what what qualities do you think somebody should have to just with their general demeanor and play to make them a great opponent? What are the key things you're going to look for? Okay, so obviously, I think being a great opponent is very much uh, going to depend on the context in which you are playing in. 
Um, so, for example, I would be a slightly different great opponent if I was playing in a narrative game uh, at my local club compared to if I'm heading to a tournament and you know I'm on a top table. I'm also going to be a different type of great opponent if I'm hanging out with my friends and we're trying to stress test our lists together. So I think being a great opponent can vary and be different between those uh, variables. But ultimately, what we're trying to ensure is that your opponent has the best experience they can possibly have uh, in that context of that game. And if you're being a great opponent, and I always say you want to try and put out there what you want to receive back. So if you're putting out vibes of you know being a great opponent, then hopefully you're going to get that back and you're both going to really enjoy that game. There's no point doing something if you don't enjoy it uh, for us. So the only way that you can uh, change the behavior of others around you is by being a good positive force and you know leading by example. And that's what I would encourage more people to do. So that for me is why it's important. So selfishly, we all have a much more enjoyable time. Sounds good. Um, so when it comes to knowing the rules, does being a great opponent mean you have every rule memorized? Good God, no. I mean, there <laughs> are uh, very few games I've ever seen played, um, even at top tables of tournaments where all players understand the rules. Now, I think uh, I did a podcast interview yesterday, last night, uh, and the two gentlemen that were asking me, Dave and Steve, they're thinking about going to a tournament, but they're worried that they're going to get their rules wrong. And I was like, yeah, well, don't worry, because everyone else will be too. That is just part and parcel of playing this extremely complex game. Now, we want to try to the best of our ability, ensure that we're getting as many rules correctly as we possibly can. But the, the single biggest factor is the search of truth. So for example, the search for truth would be if you and I are playing Dave and yep. you've got a question, you're going to say to me, hey, Steve, do you know how this works? And I'm going to say to you, Dave, I think so, Dave, but let's check it together. And we're going to get the rule book out and we're going to try and find the most obvious place where that rule would be. And if the rule book doesn't tell us or we're not clear, then hey, we can use another uh, point of truth, which might be the referee's decision. Um, so what we can do from that point on is make informed decisions based on correct rulings. What we're not going to do is four up it because when you four up something, <laughs> this doesn't really tell you uh, how you should uh, make informed decisions going forward because you might not roll the same result again. Um, and what I mean by that is when two people, you know, it's kind of a bit of a old school thing, I would say, but you know, when two people argue about a rule, they go, well, one, two, three, you get it your way, four, five, six, get it my way. And no, that doesn't work because you're not really no. going to find the way of truth uh, for you to go forward. You won't be able to devise tactics and strategies based off a role. So yeah, what we're trying to do is communicate in a way that is um, open, open for discussion, that is not leading and also not confrontational. And I think that's the real key. Uh, I've certainly been in it times when I've had confrontation at the table um, and it could have been easily resolved by my opponent being just less confrontational, basically. Yeah. Remember that your goal is not just for you to have fun, but for your opponent to have fun and to have a, ha yeah. a, a good experience. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned the, the four-up thing. I When I was at an event in December, I was in the, the last game of the weekend and, and my opponent had clocked out and I was, and I had about 10 minutes or so left on my clock and I was trying to be really meticulous to, to measure this last movement that was going to potentially win me the game. And he just kept going, no, 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 let's, it's, you know, we're not sure, you know, let's, let's just four up it. Let's just four up it. And I was like, no, we're going to call the TO over and we're going to just do this right. We got, you know, I got time and then we did all that and, you know. Then he wanted to overwatch. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you clocked out. <laughs> you can't overwatch me now. But um, yeah, the four yeah. up thing, it's, it's going to be a feels bad for everybody one way or the other. Because if you win, you're not going to feel like you won on skill. And if you lose, you're going to feel like you lost because of a dice roll, not because you know, your opponent outplayed you. So I, I do not like the four up thing. All right. So you're going to get rules wrong. Obviously, everybody gets little rules wrong. But at what point? Do you 
trying to figure out how to phrase this question correctly. I want to say, is getting rules wrong, you know, just just getting a, a rules interaction incorrect, especially a complex one, is different from, or do you feel it's different than um, not knowing what's in your index or not knowing what's in your codex for the detachment you're playing? So there's certainly a hierarchy of significance when it comes to, you know, rules being played incorrectly. I would say there's a certain few rules that I would expect somebody to play correctly. And if they don't play that correctly, I would expect them to take some responsibility for the fact that they haven't played them correctly. Okay. So a really good example of a rule that can often be misinterpreted is the rule of precision. You can be in combat and you could be fighting through a wall, yet you can't use epic challenge because you cannot visually see the opponent's character uh, if you're fighting through a blocked out wall. But you would think you could because you're in this same combat, you could still hit them if you know, but uh, you actually need to visibly be able to see them. So that's a rules interaction that is easily circumnavigated by, hey, do you know if I can use Epic Challenge here? And you'd be like, oh, actually, I think you need visibility. Like, oh, let's check it. Cool. So if I'm in any form of doubt, let's check it, right? So certain rules interactions like that, or hey, do you know if you get cover here? And you'd be like, well, yeah, I do get cover because this model can't see me. And therefore that's going to apply cover to the rest of my unit. Okay, cool. Got it. Right. That is a, like we said, non-confrontation discussion-based approach. If, however, you're playing your faction rule incorrectly, your opponent is going to be less, uh, because it's not a core rule of the game, they might not know your rules. They might know, and I would assume most people know majority of the core rules of the game. And that's, uh, I think, both players, um, both players responsibility to try and uphold the core rules of the game together as correctly as they possibly can. And then you've got your faction rules, which I would say are massively heavied into your responsibility of knowing the rules. So if you're playing your army rule or faction rule incorrectly, and this is to be found out, then it's at that point you need to take some accountability for your actions. You know, if you're in a just at your local club, you need to be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I've just realized I've been playing this army rule incorrectly. Uh, how do we rectify this? And if you're just playing against a friend at your local club, you'd be like, well, next time we play, just, you know, let, let's just carry on playing it properly from here on. It shouldn't have any, uh, you know, ramifications necessarily. Uh, but being honest and open about it and apologizing is really important because otherwise, if not, that person you've just met at your local club, at your friendly local gaming store, is probably going to think you deliberately cheated. Whereas if you're like, oh, I've just realized something. I'm so, so sorry. Um, I can't believe I did this. I've been such an idiot and I've been doing this wrong. Um, do you want to take it back a turn or uh, how do we rectify this? Then let your just put it to your opponent. And then at least that way they'll walk away feeling like you were honest, you upheld your integrity, and you obviously next time you play, you won't get your army rule uh, incorrect again. So that's one thing. But if you're at a tournament, I would expect you to drop from the event. I'd expect you to apologize to your previous opponents, um, especially if you're winning the, the games. You've had a massive, massive impact on the entire tournament. And the right thing for you to do is drop. I had this at the World Team Championships. Um, my opponent, I was playing Ironstorm Detachment and uh, I had a free reroll to hit or wound. And my opponent said, that's only ve on vehicles though, right? And I said, okay, if it is, I need to drop from this event because I've been playing this incorrectly. I think it's every unit. And I checked it. It is every unit. And I was like, had this like real sense of relief that it wasn't just vehicle units that get the reroll, a hit, or a reroll, a wound. But my opponent said to me, Steve, I really appreciate your initial reaction, which, which was to drop um, and concede from the tournament because you were understanding that the ramifications of what you've just done would be significant. So, um, yeah, I think when it comes to your own faction, 
you need to be really held accountable to that, you know, with what your ballistic skills are. And these are all things that you can easily memorize and practice with before the tournament. And I would say there's certainly an amount that you should practice with before you take a list to a tournament as well. Every time you change your list, how many practice games do you try to get in before you go to an event with it? I would say you want at least three games. Okay. At least three with your list. Um, or, you know, with like 90% of the list. I, I don't typically change more than 10% of a list uh, between games because otherwise you're not really going to get the repetition effect you need in order to ingrain, you know, the tactics and the strategies that you're going to want to be using. I'm certainly not some math wizard, so I can't just go, ah, oh, the stats on this are that I've got an 80% degree of accuracy if I, I'm, I'm just not good at that. So I have to put the legwork in. I have to get my practice games in to know what my units can do. Yeah. So yeah, I need to practice, practice, practice. So for example, this year I want to take and I want to play sisters more. I've had a really good run with Black Templars. I've had a really enjoyable games with my Black Templars, but I'm really excited to play sisters. So I'm going to ensure that before my next tournament, I've got three to four practice games in with my sisters list. And this is so that I can practice my army rule correctly. I can practice my detachment rule correctly. And that I understand all the stats of the units that I'm going to be using. I understand when and how I use my stratagems, what units. I mean, there's only six to remember. Uh, I've got a couple of enhancements that I may or may not be taking. But ultimately, in those three to five games before I go to a tournament, I'm going to memorize majority of the statistics that I need, especially when it comes to the written word, like abilities, enhancements, rules, uh, keywords. They're things that I want to memorize before the game. And then when I'm at the tournament, I can keep the cards or the app open in front of me to look at the uh, statistics like the ballistic skill, weapon skill, strength, you know, all the little values I, I can look at. But the key things for me are the written words that I need to memorize. So then when you and I pair Dave and you're asking me, hey, what does my army do? I can be like, well, this unit does this. This unit has this ability. I can answer all of your questions succinctly and give you correct information so that you can make good informed decisions against me. Therefore, I'm being a good opponent by giving you all the information that you need and when you need it by. So when you um, rock up to the table, and you're like, you've got a brand new opponent, somebody you've never played before. Um, how do you, what, what information do you say? All right, I have to communicate X, Y, and Z information, but A, B, and C is just way too much info dump. I'm going to overwhelm my opponent. So where, how yeah. do you figure out what, what you should tell them and what you shouldn't? Well, I always start with making sure they know all the names of all my different models. Okay. So we've got Patricia. <laughs> Which one's got, Bob? Which one's Frank? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is actually a really key part of, I think, being a great opponent is not overloading your opponent with information because um, you don't want somebody to be sat there thinking, oh, this just sounds like a headache. You want to um, supply information in a concise and clear way. Okay. So I would often lead with, Dave, um, I'm, I'm playing Space Marines today. Um, how familiar are you with the Gladius detachment? And I would say I am slightly familiar. Okay, cool. So just to quickly recap for you, Dave, I've got three doctrines I can pick from once per battle. I can have the assault keyword so I can advance and shoot one turn. I can advance and charge one turn or I can fall back uh, and shoot and charge in a turn. Okay, Dave, they're once per battle. Okay. I've got six stratagems, armor contempt. I've got lance and plus one AP. Um, on in combat, I've got fight on death, so there are three of them. I've got a bat, I've got a stratagem which allows me to pick a doctrine for my unit to be active for, and then you know go through all. The, you know, I've got a squad tactics that allows me to make a move when you come within nine of me, um, and then there's another one that I probably never use. Oh, ignore cover and plus one AP in shooting. Okay, depending on in some of those vary depending on the uh, doctrine that I'm in. All right, so there are six. I've got one enhancement. It gives me extra attacks and strength, and it's going to be on this character, which is my captain. Here's the model of my converted captain. So I'm signifying to you a quick recap of all my detachment rules. 
Um, and also I'm pointing out any conversions that I've got. And then I'm going to talk you through the specifics. I've got four characters, Dave. This is Helbrecht. This is my converted model. Um, and he's a really good combat character. All right. If you've got any more specific questions, let me know. But his damage output is roughly going to be three to four damage per attack. And he's got a strike or a sweep attack. Uh, I've got the Empress Champion. Similar thing. Beat stick in combat. I've got Judasa. He has the fight's first ability. Um, and then also I've got a captain who I've just mentioned who's got a once per game devastating wound attack, okay, with extra attacks as well. I'm just going over the basics, you know, so you've now got a clear picture of what my characters do, any leader abilities that they might have, um, and then I'll go through the units. So I've got two land raiders, five infiltrators, they deny 12 inch of deep strike. Three units of five sword brethren, they can increase the attacks or damage for the unit. That also includes any assigned characters. Five assault intercessors that reroll wounds when they're fighting on an objective. And also uh, six centurion devastators, which can get rerolls to hit when I'm shooting against a unit that's on an objective. Three units of scouts that can infiltrate and scout move. Okay, that's my list. Any questions? Right. Nope, nothing springs to mind. But hey, do you have your codex with you? Or do you have your index cards with you? I do have my codex with me, yeah. How do you handle that if you go if you have an opponent who says, Oh, my um my Catan moves eight inches and you go, Do you do you have the the card? Can I can I see that? And they say no. So I think um because the issue is especially with the app, because I use the app a lot for a lot of my statistics of units. Um the issue is when you haven't purchased the codex of your opponents. Um, app, then they have to, I would say every single person needs to bring the rules along for their army so that any of those data points can be checked. And again, it's one of those things that if I'm questioning you, are you sure it moves that far? Don't say, yeah, trust me. You need to be a great opponent. You should reply with, yeah, I can show you because I just want to make sure that you're happy with what I'm about to do. Um, and also I want to, I'm now going to question myself. Am I right? Have I just given you the wrong stats? You might tell me, might say to me, Hey Steve, how many, um, attacks does Hellbreak get? And I'm going to go six. And you're like, are you sure? It sounds like quite a lot. I'm like, well, let me check then. Let me check for you because that's me being a great opponent. And then I'm going to bring it up and go, Oh yeah, six. Here you go. You can see it too. Because not all questions are confrontational. A question could just be that you're searching for more information because you found it interesting, or maybe you also play and collect that army and you're like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Let me um, find out more about that rule. That's really interesting. So don't always assume that your opponent is trying to just rule check you all the time. I think that's the, the key as well. Yeah. I, I, um, I, that was going to be my next question. Do you feel like it, you're, you're being a bad opponent if you are constantly asking questions to see things i think there becomes a limit um of you know and we're getting really into the weeds here but you're certainly not being a bad opponent to check things if it sounds too good to be true then just check it if you're checking every single thing then you know are you being a great opponent by doing that you're really slowing down your opponent and especially if the first two to three times you've asked your opponent to check a rule and they've been correct Maybe it's time to give them the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I think it's certainly there's a limit on how much you could really ask, you know, before you start getting into the realms of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So once the game, so at the deployment stage, are you doing anything to, um, to benefit your opponent or, or, or just, just during deployment, what are your, what are things you look for to, or things you're trying to remember to do to be a good opponent during deployment and setup? Yeah. So, um, the first thing is, is that before we even get to this stage, I'm going to tell you, Dave, that I play by intent. And what that means is I'm going to verbally tell you what I'm planning on doing or placing models in a particular way. That is my intention to do something on the one proviso that I can actually do it. Otherwise, I'm just cheating. And this is a very big difference here because some players will say they're playing by intent, but actually what they want to be able to do is play very loose with the rules 
or have the benefit of the doubt more often than not. Okay. And for me, that, that for me is just cheating. I like to play by intent by saying such things, Dave, as cool, Dave, uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, my unit is an inch away from the wall. Okay. So what that also means, Dave, is that you now know that my unit is an inch behind that wall on the proviso that I can physically fit all my models there. Because if I've shoved another five units in the back of that building as well, and now my unit happens to be up against the ruin because I physically were trying to fit five to six units uh, in that in that ruin. And I've and I've had this experience before at a tournament quite recently, or certainly in the last year, where I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to move out and I can draw a line of sight to that model. And they said, what well, is my intent for me to be hidden? And I was like, but you've hidden three vehicles in. 40 models in that ruin did you expect to hide all of those plus being inch away from the wall there comes a point where you can't just say it's my intent if it physically cannot be done makes sense um so yeah i think there's or hey it's my intent to completely cover this objective with my 40 mil base so that therefore you can't drop within you know just outside of three and hold this objective or um you know and obviously now with the uh, changes you can actually you know place your model on a, an objective but this is the things that i'm trying to do with my scouts hey i want to be wholly within six inches of the inside of the wall of this ruin so therefore if i go second i can scout move backwards and be inside the ruin there's no debate because i told you earlier yeah yeah so there's no uh, so when you say play by intent that doesn't mean you can just leave your tape measure off to the side of the table for the rest of the game absolutely not no i am trying to uh, just verbally tell you um, what I'm doing at this time in case a model gets knocked, in case a piece of ruin gets nudged, in case you spill a drink or I spill a drink or something on the tabletop and, and things get moved. We're not left in a position where I'm like, oh, but I had a model on that objective to stop you dropping within three. Yeah, but Steve, sorry, but uh, actually there's a gap now so I can do that. I verbally told you what I was trying to do. Yeah, so that's uh, one of the key things there and differences between play actually playing by intent and just trying to cheat. Or you can't also play uh, by intent retrospectively. Oh, but it was my intent to be such and such. Well, unless you verbally communicated that at the point when that was impactful, it wasn't. Because now you've seen and been given more information and that shouldn't wash. So for example, you've shoved your unit up against a wall and uh, you know your opponent's charged you and then you've now said, oh, but it was my intent to be an inch away from the wall. But you didn't say that earlier because how would have you known or I known that you or I were going first or second? You weren't to know I was going to make this charge distance. And also, if you would have gone first, would you have just measured your movement from the wall and not an inch back from the wall so you can't do things in retrospect it's not a get out of jail free card the competitive 40k podcast is supported by colorforge i found colorforge 18 months ago and i was blown away by the quality of the product i've always had an incredible finish not too thick not too chalky and i've always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions the cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base colors, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. All right, so game starts. Everybody's rolling dice. I know you don't use a dice trade. Do you... Do you run into people? Do you, do you feel like most people use dice trays or or don't use dice trays? Or um, is there an yeah, etiquette around using dice trays? I think if you've got a dice tray, great. I think the most important thing is being consistent. Played against someone the other day. Hey, my dice will always be in the dice tray. If I roll out of the dice tray, I'll re-roll it into the dice tray. Cool, I've got it. The most important thing is consistency. I've played against people that will just go, I'll roll dice and where it lands, it lands. If it looks flat, that's what I'll go with. Okay, cool. So you don't, you don't really play with cock die. Cool. I'll typically say personally, it's got to be flat on the mat. So if it lands on terrain, I'll re-roll it. Okay. So whatever works for you is fine. It's just about being consistent. 
Um, and it's good to have that discussion before you make any rolls whatsoever. Whether you're rolling off for first turn, there's nothing worse than rolling off for first turn or who gets the first drop of units and there's a cock die and you're like, oh, that uh, that actually looks cocked. Um, I'm going to re-roll that because it's a one. <laughs> Would you have done that if it was a six? Uh, you know, so just quickly right. clarify that in those beginning stages. Hey, I play by intent and also when I roll dice, I do it like this. And if we're using a chess clock, then this is the way that I like to use the chess clock. Do you agree? And I'm informing my opponent to and have an opportunity at the, all of these stages to tell me how they want to play too. Okay, I'm, this isn't me dictating how the game's going to go. This is a discussion. Hey, I like to play by intent. And this is how my version of playing by intent means. I'm going to articulate what I'm doing. Are you okay with that? And you'd be like, yeah, Steve, sounds great. Or you might be like, Steve, actually, no, because I'm really hard of hearing and or I've got a terrible memory. Um, I wouldn't want a situation where you've, you've told me your intent and I've misheard you because I've got really poor hearing. So I'd prefer if we just play where the models lay. Okay, cool. I've got that. No worries. You know, whatever that looks like to you, yeah, I, I need to be, you need to be uh, flexible when you play to make sure you can cater for all your different opponents that you might play. Okay. So um, one of the big things that people talk about are the, the feel bads or the, the gotcha moments. Um, where do you draw the line between what's a gotcha, you know, and what is just a clever play? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a good question because in ninth edition, there's a lot of, uh, or there was a lot less reactional based things, whereas in 10th edition, there's a lot more. So mm -hmm. Overwatch now, you can obviously do in different phases of the game. Um, there are ways to move if you move close. Uh, there's ways to stop being shot or uneligibly targeted because of a stratagem. So I think the key thing is um, at the start of the game, you need to ask your opponent, this is on you, to ask your opponent about those six stratagems that they have. And this is typically where you're going to find those gotcha moments, either the enhancements or the stratagems. So Dave, if I was to ask you at the start of this game, how familiar you were Gladius, and you're like, yeah, yeah, mate, got it, I know it, play against it all the time, right? Right. But then Dave, later on, I go to use squad tactics, assuming you fully well know about this stratagem because you made it quite clear to me that you knew all about it. Um, and then I've used it and you're like, oh, that's a gotcha moment now. You're like, well, I was happy at the start of this game to tell you about squad tactics. That's not a gotcha moment because I'm under the assumption you and I are both aware of the same information. Yeah. And I think it's for you as a, as a player. So I played against someone round five uh, or round six, whatever. It was actually Jay from our team I played against uh, at the recent Beachhead event. He moved on to an objective and I went, okay, cool. Uh, Jay, I'm going to overwatch here. And he was like, oh, really? And I went, yeah, because I get four rerolls to hit with Centurions. You knew that, right? And he said, no, I didn't. And I was like, well, do you want to move off the objective then? And he was like, yeah, okay. So he ended his move not on the objective. So therefore, I wouldn't get my full rerolls to hit. But then, of course, I wouldn't overwatch. So that was me understanding that we hadn't covered that point about uh, the full rerolls to hit. So I'm being, what's the word like? I could tell that he genuinely didn't know about that. And that, for me, would be a gotcha moment because he didn't know. Yeah. And, and you can often read your opponent's reaction. Yeah. Whereas getting, say an opponent's going to get out of a transport and you know that you're, you've got something on your, your, either you, your overwatch has on fives or you're, you know, you're going to, you know, you get double exploding sixes or something. And you know that the odds of them, if they get out of that, if they get their five scouts out of that rhino and you know, you're going to absolutely light them up and take that unit off the table. If they do that, is that, is it unsporting if you. Don't say something of, you know, if you do that, I'm just going to pick that squad up and you won't get the on, you know, or no, you just let that go. No, because I actually think at this stage, if somebody was trying to tell me, so Overwatch is a core rule of the game. So I don't think right. anybody can claim that Overwatch is a gotcha moment. I think what you're asking me here 
is should I inform my opponent about a bad move that they're about to make? And actually, I don't think you should do that because you're now coaching your opponent. And I've had it before where I've played in, I don't want someone to give me advice while we're playing. I want to learn from my own mistakes. I don't really want someone to tell me that I should do this or or I should do that because then we start to get into realms of that becoming a habit for that player to do that. Now, um, one of those things might be, like we said earlier, uh, to use my list, for example, I've got that Judas with the fight first rule, right? And I, you know, I would have articulated this clearly at the start of the game. Got Judas who will fight first. Um, I'd remind you again if I felt like you needed to be reminded if you'd forgotten. But it also depends on the type of game that you're having, because that person, yeah. in your example, Dave, might just be trying to bait out your Overwatch because they've got a, they've got a unit somewhere else where they want to move, and. They want you to overwatch this unit of scouts getting out of the rhino because they want to move somewhere else freely or they don't want you to overwatch later on in the charge phase. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I actually, I, th- I think refraining from coaching uh, is really important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, 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 I raised that one in particular because when we were at LVO, I had one interaction and I owned it. I was like this, I just should have asked or I should have not done what I did, but I had a squad of, breachers get out of a devil fish in range of a 10 man squad of flash gets. I didn't know that they had, you know, that they were going to get four attacks per model with exploding sixes. And so I lost that squad. The character survived, but the 10 guys he was with done. And I was like, Oh, that really hurt. God have mercy. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I, I, I I had a second of, he could have warned me. I was like, no, no, that's on me. I should have at least asked her. You know, yeah. not or just accepted it. You know, just not asked asked some sort of a question. Does your does that unit do anything special on Overwatch before I take this squad out? Yeah. So that's so that is on you, Dave. I think offering up information yeah. like, uh, oh, Dave, just so you know, um, I've got a model behind this ruin, and it's maybe at the bottom of the ruin. It's completely blocked out. You can't see it. I'm just giving you information that you could know if you'd have walked around the 10 tables that are joined together and come around to my side <laughs> right. of the table, right? Yeah. All I'm doing is like maybe you're looking to charge a unit or whatever, or maybe you've just drew assassinate and I've got a model and a character behind the wall and you're like, oh, where's that closest character unit? And I can tell you're looking for it and you're like, oh, so you've got one in that rhino and one in that land raider and one's all the way over there is low not if i just go hmm yeah you're right yeah that's all i've got yeah then i'm actually well i'm avoiding just telling you dave i got a character in yeah. one model just here by the way but you just can't see it because it you know is hidden behind the wall that's me being a good opponent because i'm just trying to inform you of information that you would be easily be able to get hold of and I'm not even informing your tactical plays. Okay. I'm just saying, here's a character. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So then movement phase, we, you know, we talked about playing by intent and, and being very clear with your opponent during your movement phase of, Hey, I'm putting this model here an inch from the wall, or, you know, I'm, I'm intentionally getting your laser out saying I'm intentionally trying to get line of sight on that vehicle without, you know, sticking myself any further out than necessary. That's, that's all fine. Is there anything in, in, um, well, shooting is shooting it, you know? Yeah. Well, the movement phase is huge. And I think this is actually where a lot of people misplay. Um, I had it at LVO where, um, my opponent was trying to charge one of my units and they had rapid ingressed and, uh, one of their transports, um, from Strat Reserve in my turn. So then in their turn, they wanted to get out, they wanted to move, they wanted to charge. And they were measuring the charge distance out. And it was like, well, they, I think they said like a six or a seven, like quite a low roll. And I was looking at it thinking, that's quite a long way. 
So I was like, I tell you what, rather than you trying to measure to this ruin and then the ruin out, let's mark where the ruin is with dice. Let's move the ruin out the way. And then let's measure from your transport to my unit and see what that distance is in a clear line. Um, and obviously, that is the best you're going to get because actually what the ruin does is potentially take off movement because of the interactions of uh, where you need to disembark and the rest of it. You actually need to be able to fit your models down and move them before they uh, you know, clear that ruin because of the wall. But I'm going to give you the best possible result. So I looked down and I was like, is your vehicle actually wholly within six of the side of the table? It wasn't. It was within eight inches or something. So we moved it back a bit to get within six. Um, and then we measured out in a direct line from the transport to the land raid or whatever it was they were charging. And turns out it was a few inches more than they had thought. But we did that precisely. And I think when you are moving, that is the only thing I get, uh, you know, I'll ask my opponents to do is move precisely. So when you disembark out of your vehicles, if it's a massive unit over five or six models, I would expect you to place all of your models down before you move any models. Um, don't just add on three inches to each of the moves of your model because uh, the, the most important model is the closest one. But then after that, all the others need to be uh, behind that area. Um, use dice if you're unsure if you want to move a model to a particular place because as soon as you've moved a unit to a place on the table and then if you say oh actually I don't want to I don't want to put it there then how do you know it's original start point because if you move it in a different direction are you going to gain inches and again that's unacceptable because most people fail to oh, I'm actually removing this unit. So I'll take an inch off just to be sure I don't cheat. A lot of people think, no, I can move six. I'm moving the full 6.1 inches I'm going to move. Most people try and push yeah. it to the, the, you know, it's natural, right? Everybody does it, but there we go. So unless you're precisely marking down units, if you're unsure, then maybe you should give the benefit of your doubt to the opponent and take an inch off your movement or something. Or when you're moving massive vehicles around, ask your opponent to help you at that stage to ensure that you're taking in consideration the pivot point. Or bring your opponent involved in the conversation when you're trying to move a unit to ensure that they can help you stay honest with your movement. Like, do you? And I had a great opponent um, round four, I think it was. I was playing against Eldar, against Ross at, at Beachhead, and he was like, okay, cool. I just want to move out my avatar. Do you agree that this is five inches to clear the ruin with my base? I'm like, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's perfect. And he'd be like, then he'd move it. So he'd like trying to do like a, you know, a, a turn around a, 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 a ruin. But throughout the whole time, he was involving me in that process. So I didn't feel like he'd overmoved or undermoved. I felt like he'd moved exactly what he could move because he involved me in that process. And then we had no quibbles either way um so again it's about being super clear um with that and you know and later on i wanted to squad tactics and he was like oh, i don't know if you have enough movement to clear that and i was like yeah you're right ross i won't have enough movement because my base is too big so we were communicating as we were trying to do these cool moves but we were communicating to see is it possible yes if it's possible absolutely do it great play if it's not possible, then hard luck, but, you know, good thinking of trying to do it. So, yeah, if you're unsure about something, then involve your opponent. Speak to them. Communicate with them. Keep it open-ended about how, you know, the best way to resolve that is. Okay. Um, and then um, shooting phase. Any particular things that people need to watch out for in shooting? I think the first thing is to, if you're going to, if you're planning on like doing any actions with your units, say at this stage, like, you know, like the kind of cleanse and objective, the investigate signal, just say, hey, um, prob I'm probably going, unless I tell you otherwise, cleanse here, investigate there. Because in that way, what you're not doing is going to forget by the end of the phase. I've told you, Dave, I'm intending to cleanse both of these objectives with this unit. You're like, cool, yeah, I've understood that. We've not got to the end of the turn and I've gone, cool. So I got cleanse and you're like, no, but you didn't tell me which it was. We haven't had that interaction. Um, I'm just articulating exactly what I'm doing. Or 
you know, sometimes if you, if this is a, I've had have had this before, both you know both ways. I've accidentally done it, or nearly done it, or I've have done it, and then retrospectively thought, sorry, I shouldn't have done that because I've advanced and I've just shot, and I don't have the assault keyword. Um, and then sometimes I've gone, oh, those two wounds I did earlier, take them off because. Uh, I shouldn't have. I, sh- I wasn't actually allowed to shoot you because I advanced. So, you know, if you are forgetful, then a little counter, maybe like with an X on it, which you could just throw down every time you've advanced a unit if they don't have the assault keyword to remind you not to shoot them. You know, simple things, um, or just having that discussion. Hey, Dave, do you agree that uh, all of these models can see you? Yeah, cool. Or in the movement phase, you tee it up. Hey, Dave, do you agree if I move here that I can clearly see you so you won't get the benefits of cover? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So again, just you're bringing your opponent involved in the conversation so that you can work through this as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Yeah. And to that, um, do you feel it's it's um, problematic or, if it's, or it, are you doing a particular favor or disservice as an opponent if you're one of those people who brings... Pre, you know, some of the pre-marked tokens or some of the other stuff that you can get off of Etsy or you can 3D print them, you know, minus one damage here, plus one to hit there. You know, some people love to put those out. I'm all about my my little reminders and, and, and things like that. I don't have any of the labeled ones, but I'll use a lot of poker chips to go, all right, this person did this, this person did that. If that helps you play the game in a clean way, brilliant. I don't care if you bring cheat sheets. I don't care if you bring tokens or cards or whatever it is if it helps you play the game in a way that you remember that you enjoy then great i'm gonna work with you to do that yeah 100 percent. okay and again it's about being consistent like wound tokens count down for your opponent um always count down because to be quite honest like if i was to put my land raider down dave and put a two on it that information is not really useful for you. Cool, you know you've done two wounds to it, but when you're trying to work out how much damage you have to do it to kill it, what are you going to ask me? What's what, How many wounds did it start with? Yeah, well, it's got 16 wounds. And if I've got to tell you this every single time, why don't I just put down that I've got 14 wounds left? So if I yeah. know that I'm taking... Uh, you know, I went out, I've got two Land Raiders, I bought two D20s. So at the start of the game, I could just put 16 down next to them. So, you know, you can see, I can see that it's visually 16 wounds on both of these. I use tiny little dice for my wound markers on my characters so that these are different to my rolling dice. So therefore I don't accidentally pick them up and move them. So then we're not in an instance where I've accidentally picked up a dice or you've picked it up to go oh here steve remember you dropped this dice and then we're like oh but i did four wounds for that character earlier and i'll be like no i thought it was three now what do we do just you know so try and make this as easy as you can like the tourney tokens are amazing because they're, they're certainly not going to get picked up and rolled they're less yeah. likely to um you know people that bring like if you're using fate or miracle dice and they you know have different colored dice and they have like a little wooden thing to put them in that's great all these little uh tokeny type stuff is just super helpful for you to play yeah yeah i bought shauna a tray for uh, that's labeled miracle dice so she can set her miracle dice aside so she doesn't accidentally mm-hmm. like pick up my realm and, and mostly it's for her opponent to be able to look and go all right yeah that set of white dice over there those are the miracle dice that she's rolled and i can see where they are instead of just a pile of dice here, a pile of dice there, and you're, you're not quite sure what's what. So, because um, I know that she's also going to be going back to sisters the moment, you know, there's a codex. So. Exactly that. So it's just about help, you know, how do you help your opponent basically? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, think it, I think what you're talking about is it all comes down to communication. You're communicating with your opponent because there's, and there's so much information going back and forth that you want to communicate clearly to your opponent and, not say, oh, remember three turns ago when I told you that, you know, remember in the command phase when I said I was giving out plus one to hit on this, 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 and this, you know, like a Votan player who yep. just says, oh, I'm going to put tokens on this, this, and this, and doesn't actually put the tokens there that now you're working off of memory. That's not, yep. not helpful. You're not communicating. Yep. All right. Um, There's enough admin in the game anyway, so let's just try and smooth that out. I think another point to make on being a good opponent as well is to fully embrace the type of game that you're playing. So if you're playing a competitive game, then be competitive. If you're at a tournament, 
you know, try to, within the best uh, possible way, bring a well-balanced army list that, you know, can play the mission, deal with most opponents, and ultimately give your opponent a good mental challenge to play against. Um, you know, if we're playing a narrative game, then I'm going to bring a narrative army list. I'm going to get involved in the story before we play. Um, I'm going to immerse myself in the game and do things in the game that lead to more thematic endings for us to basically tell stories. So it could be, I'm going to make sure I charge my character into that one, you know? So it's all those types of things. Sometimes I tell my opponents, right? I don't really care who wins this game, but all I do care about is who kills more between my Hellbrecht or AKA Sigismund and my Empress Champion. So if you're wondering why I'm doing things, then it's just to see you can get the most kills, you know? So I'm bringing that, especially with an, an opponent who's brought a more narrative-based list or a list that's th particularly themed, I'm going to try and get involved with that as best as I possibly can so I can enhance their playing experience by getting involved in the game that they want to play. Okay. Um, charge phase, anything in particular that people should watch out for in the charge phase besides being absolutely meticulous about measuring charge distances? Yeah, so measure your charge. If you know that you're going to charge with a unit, then measure from before you even move a model. You know, I set up my charges in the movement phase, so let's just measure that now so I know what it needs. You know, if I move six and I'm 15 inches away, then I know I'm going to be within nine. I need an eight-inch charge. I think that I think my maths is correct on that. But anyway, so then I'm going to put an eight down on the dice after I finish moving my model six, and so now I need an eight-inch charge. Cool. Um, what else? If it's looking 50-50, like, oh, is it close to being inside or outside? Give your opponent the benefit of the doubt. There are too many times people try and get everything in their favor. Oh, you're not going to get cover here. I'm within this many inches. And it just always seems to be when you're playing against certain people, anytime there's a 50-50 a call, it always seems to be in their favor because they're always pushing it. And you're like, well, actually, if more people give the benefit of the doubt to their opponent, we'd all enjoy our games a lot more. So no, yeah, I think you'd get the cover there. Or yeah, you're right. I don't think all of my models can see. Or actually, no, I think it's a 10 inch charge, not a nine inch charge. The more times we have those conversations, the more times both players are going to feel relaxed and we're going to be in a state of play, which keeps the game going alive longer. Okay. Also, when it's in the charge phase, remember that, you know, all of your models need to end closer than they currently started to the unit that they charged. So, hey, just before you move, which are the closest models that you need to end closer to? This unit here. Cool. So all of your models are nine inches away. Just make sure you're closer than that and we're good. Cool. Like we're just, we're ticking off the things that you need to ensure that you do. Um, and before you move models and rush around, just go, hey, just going to take my minute here and we're going to just do the basics, which is. I need to be closer than nine inches away. Cool. Got it. Yep. All right. Um, and then fight phases, I mean, very similar Same to shooting again. phase, just making sure that you're clear. and. Yeah. So I think the biggest issue here is like when you pile in and consolidate. So again, it's just which are the closest models? Can they physically move? Can they get in base to base? Um, and this is where I think sometimes in the charge phase, I do this as well as I possibly can. I'm going to move this model to here. So when I pile in, I'm going to be base to base with this model. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree, Steve. Cool. Got it. Um, or, hey, I'm going to pile in here, but I don't think this model's going to be able to fight. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I don't think you'll have to pile in distance to get there. Cool. We've got it. Like we're, we're just involving each other in that entire process. Yeah. All the time. All right. Fair enough. And then I guess the last question I, uh, that I had um, is tilting. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can't control when an opponent starts to tilt. You know, uh, you know they need to put the pause the clock, or you know, put the clock over themselves and go for a walk or whatever. Um, but if you feel yourself tilting, what are some things that you do to make sure that you continue to be a good opponent? Um, whatever it is that you can do uh, to, I think, remain as neutral as possible for your opponent. All right, now. Um, there's definitely times when we we can all admit we've probably tilted. Um, and I think sometimes just having a cue to realize, why am I actually here? I'm actually here to enjoy the time with my friends that I've come with, to go for dinner after, to 
experience, just being around everybody that I like, that's actually the most important thing. So does this game really matter in the grand scheme of things? No. Am I going to remember this game? Probably not. Am I going to remember the results at this tournament? Probably not. There are very few tournaments that I can actually remember the results for. What I can remember are all the silly little things that happen at tournaments like when me, Jack and Dan and Mark all went to a tournament and Dan forgot his army. I, for- I remembered that. You know, I remember <laughs> all the, I, I remember the time when I booked the hotel for the wrong night. I remember those things. What I don't really remember is what dice were rolled on a particular game. Um, I remember the friends that I've met and what army they were playing at the time. You know, I remember those things, but I don't really remember the result. And I think that's the important thing to take stock of is, um, yeah, just be mindful of that is why are you actually playing that game? And if you're playing that game just to win, then you might want to find some other reasons to play the game because you're not going to win every game. There's going to be somebody that's better than you. There's going to be somebody with a better army list. There's going to be somebody that just might have the mission in their favor or the you know first turn in their favor or the dice rolls in their favor that game. Just accept it. You'll be a much more gracious winner uh, when you do win and you'll lose with dignity. And I think that's really key. Okay. Um, any, um, cause you have gone to a lot of events, you know, sort of back to back to back, any particular events just popped to mind in the last couple of events from LVO till through beachhead that were worth discussing as, as good or bad sportsmanship interactions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing I do recommend people, this is something don't do this, is try to have an outcome on the game or or tell your opponent how you think that game's going to go before you even played. And what I mean by that is being like, oh, I've, and I've heard this before. I've had it said against me um, when someone goes, oh, this is a bad matchup for you. Yeah, I, I always beat that army. And I'm like, cool or some you know you go up to i've had these people come up to me at worlds and they're like why do you take the land raiders not the redeemers the redeemers are just a lot better and i'm like cool whatever you're gonna look silly if you lose this game but anyway whatever you know it's uh like don't try and um i suppose call your shot yeah just be humble about it you know if you think the matchup's good for you cool keep that to yourself um, if you think the, you know, it's, it's different if you were like, oh, it's going to be a tough game, you know, uh, great. Th- there's nothing wrong going, oh, this is going to be a tough game because I'm showing respect to my opponent, the army that they've brought. And ultimately I'm, you know, Hey, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a tough game. We all want tough games. We don't want easy games. Um, because what we want is that mental stimulus of, I need to really pull off some big brain plays here to try and, uh, you know, stay in the fight as it were. Um, so I think there's a big difference between those two. Um, So I try to ever avoid talking about it. I also try to avoid talking to people if they're like, oh, Steve, I've seen your next matchup. Oh, you'll smash that one. I'm like, I probably won't, but cool, whatever. Um, I don't want, I always want to go into a game feeling like I'm personally going to lose it. So therefore I ask the right questions so I don't get complacent. So I can be a good, gracious opponent um and not i suppose um go into it too confident you know yeah yeah okay but yeah i mean in terms of highlight moments like i said i had that game against ross at beachhead which was absolutely awesome me and jay in the last round we had some really nice back and forths like i said to him about the overwatch thing um he let me have a go back on where I moved my models because he'd already overwatched somewhere else earlier and I moved in a way to avoid overwatch, but he'd already done it. So he let me move my models to the right a little bit. Um, so that was a nice game where we just had mutual respect for each other. Uh, there were a couple of games that really stood out. Um, played against James Hobbs from our team, absolute legend. He was like, you know, yeah, Steve, if you go here, yeah, I agree. You know, we just talked everything out as it, you know, like I mentioned, that you should do. It was great. It was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And I, I agree that you're here. You want to be left in combat. Like he was pulling models for me in combat because I couldn't get to his side of the table. 
and, I, and he was like, but you want to stay in combat with the broadsides, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. So he was pulling the models away that weren't in combat with the broadsides, although he could have easily been sneaky and just passed me the unit, the models over that were in combat with his broadsides. He knew the best play and he allowed me to do that. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's, I had a lovely game as well, LVO against um, uh, a Tau player. Uh, Patrick Jones. Um, we had an awesome game, uh, one in which was probably my favorite game at LVO. And just, we had a laugh with it. We, um, you know, spoke everything through. It's just like the perfect clean game of 40K, basically. And then at the end, Patrick said to me, oh, Steve, um, he messaged me later on. He's like, I've bought the mat that we played on. Would you sign it for me? And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And uh, like, I wrote the score of our game on the mat. And like, it was just a really wonderful wonderful game and a great memory for me at LVO so uh, yeah Patrick if you're listening thanks so much for the game because it was awesome oh it's outstanding very cool mm. and now for a word from our sponsor C Studios they are the experts in providing professional miniature painting services ensuring your armies always look their best on the battlefield whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out C Studios can help bring your miniatures to life don't miss out on their quality craftsmanship that's all the questions that I had written down for our uh, our discussion today, and we're a little over an hour, so we probably should should call it here. Obviously, we you know now that we're going to get back to doing regular episodes, we can we can circle back, I think, around to this topic and and yeah. zone in on certain things in more specific specificity later. Um, before I forget, um, the academy uh, the next academy is going to start March fourth, right? Yeah, so the academy is now open for enrollment. Um, and if you want to jump on this year or this intake of Academy, then head over to www.vanguardtactics.com forward slash Academy. And you can find out more about the, uh, 15 week Academy course that we have, but yeah, it's going to be one of those that is going to be it like, it's going to be awesome. It really is the content that we filmed, uh, for the last intake it, the feedback's been overwhelmingly, um, just incredible the production value that we've tried to bring this time round everything's been redone since ninth edition uh, so every single one of the 176 videos dave that are on the academy um, has been refilmed i know it's mental but also if you join the academy you also get any master classes that we drop throughout your time as well on the academy so you keep that too um and yeah, I really look forward to, you know, bringing new people in. I think roughly 50% of the tickets have sold already for this academy intake. We only take on 100 people each academy intake so that we can te- keep a tight-knit community. We've got five live lessons a week from quiz the coaches to enemy sighted where we look at some of the best factions in the game and discover how you go about trying to defeat them. We've got pick your secondaries where Michael talks you through a mission and also secondary choices of your army list to help you ensure that you're, you know, developing a game plan in the right way to help you score points. We've got hobby hangouts. We've got some absolute legends of the game joining me for hobby hangouts as well, which is super cool. Um, I'm going to keep that a surprise, but we've got some very big names going to be joining us. Um, but yeah, this Academy intake is going to be awesome. So if you want to jump on board with the Academy, play for Vanguard Tactics, be part of our kind of crew as it were then yeah join the academy this time round, and i really look forward to welcoming you into that if you've got any questions i do zoom calls uh tuesday nights and saturdays uh to help people find out more about the academy ask me any questions that you have equally if you're in our facebook group uh for the um competitive 40k podcast group you can ask me any questions there about the academy as well so yeah anytime you want to get informed you can book in a one-to-one call with me about it uh, whatever kind of suits because i want to ensure that everybody's super happy with the purchase and the investment that they make but the overall goal of it is to help simplify and make sure you've got a really good foundation level of knowledge of the game no matter if you're a beginner or you're an already tournament uh player all those different things like i mentioned earlier about being a great opponent we cover we've got a tournament prep module we've got a module to cover list analysis to how to write a balanced army list to each phase of the game yeah, it really is the most in-depth course I think you could ever take for 40k. And um yeah, it's one in which we're immensely proud of. Yeah, and I can tell you from having watched some of the videos, um 
it, it's absolutely worth checking out, guys. I, I, I was obviously, most of you know, I was um, a student for the 9th Edition Academy. I've watched a lot of the uh, 10th Edition Academy videos. It's absolutely worth your time and your money to join, uh, to sign up and join and, and just take your game to that next level. Um, before we get out of here, also, I wanted to do a couple quick shout outs. A um, couple of our Vanguard Tactic um, teammates, uh, Aiden Smalley and Dave. Death Guard Dave Turner. Um, they are on a podcast called Disgustingly Resilient. You should, guys should go check them out. And uh, there's this new guy, Jake, John, Joe, Jake, Hard, Hard, Hardman, Harding. Someone, I don't know. Some some guy, he's an fairly, fairly attractive and an idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does a segment called, uh, he does an episode called Rock and Stone. He's got a few episodes out with um, the 6++ show, which is also a, a pretty good podcast I've been listening to. So you guys should go check them out too. And obviously, check out Play on Tabletop on YouTube. Uh, Steve's got some, been there uh, in the past. He's got a couple more games. Obviously, he's going to be out there in Vancouver. Uh, filming with them in a couple weeks. So check out Play on Tabletop as well. Uh, there are a bunch that I have met all the guys, most of the guys from Play on, and they're all very, very nice guys too. So check out Play on Tabletop as well. Uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No. Apart from that, see you uh, soon. And, you know, I can't wait to bring more shows back just like this one. Hopefully people have found today informative and feel a little bit more confident about how to be a great opponent. Hopefully. Uh, otherwise we're just talking to ourselves and for no benefit to anybody. Um, so, um, and, and guys, let us know, did you like today's episode? Leave us those comments, uh, on Apple or, or, um, Spotify or Amazon music, however you're hearing us, uh, leave us the Mm -hmm. comments. We will get back to us. And so we can improve. Um, all right, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for giving us your time and your attention as always. Uh, I'm going to try to get with, uh, Matt Laura for our next episode so we can, uh, talk about, um, all of his LVO games and in particular, that absolutely amazing final. Um, until then, this is Dave Colmel for Steven Box and all of Vanguard Tactics saying, I guess we need to register you as a lethal weapon. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye.